Hello and welcome. Uh, this is an, a yet-to-be-named podcast. Uh, my name is Tom. My name is Ed. And we are cousins. We are the two cousins. Mm. It's a competitive advantage we, in the podcasting world. We, we, yeah, we, we know all about each other, having grown up together and, and being related by blood. Yeah, and there's something that we've done quite a lot of together since we were children, and that is... What, what, do you want to finish my sentence? Or? No. Are we not the type of cousins to finish <laughs> each other's sentences? Sandwiches. Um, no, we, we, both, we both like movies. We both like watching movies together and apart and talking about movies. And... And we we also the other thing we like is oh politics is that what you're getting yeah, at right yeah. okay so yeah we both have um we've got a lot of shared interests in terms of uh, cinema and podcasts and we've both said on occasion that we'd love to do our own podcast and we thought well what could mm. that be about and. Uh, yeah, I think we we landed on the idea of uh, assessing uh, the politics and social norms and uh, perhaps even philosophy of animated films, of films aimed at children and family family films. Yeah, but but fundamentally, it's about us and our wanting to do a podcast. So it's yeah. it's going to be mostly about us and our uh, our um, uh, narcissism. And and liking ourselves a lot. Yeah, and our social justice warrior worldviews. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do some fierce takedowns. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we are. Uh, it is uh, quite it's slightly cloudy, but it's still a lovely warm day, May day, and it's one of the first weekends post lockdown where we're actually able to be free and go and socialise outside. Um, and so we've just decided to sit in Ed's kitchen. We've been forced out of the front room by mm. the cats. Militant cats determined to play with microphones. Um, <laughs> all, all our cables, all our recording equipment is, uh, they believe is fair game. They, they think is food or something to play with. Um, so yeah, this is the only spot in the house where we're safe from the feline menace. So apologies for the slight, uh, there, there, are, there are all sorts of sounds going on in here. We've turned off, off the fridge, um, but there's something else. Neighbours are doing DIY. That's um, right, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's birds around. I like the bird song, though. That's nice. Hmm. Um, why are you interested in uh, talking about animated films? What's your, what's your personal history with animated films? 
Do you remember the first animated film you ever saw in the cinema? The first one? I don't remember. I I have a lot I remember fondly. I remember um, really enjoying the Asterix movies when I was little. Did you see them in the cinema? There was one. One came out. I think the last one came out just as I was on the edge of being too old for them, really. Um, Wasn't the big fight? There was the, there was the big fight. I think that's I like that one because that's when the druid ca- character gets he goes really loopy. Do you yeah, remember that I do remember that one. They oh. had some live action ones as well mm. with uh, Gerard Depardieu plays Obelix. Really? Yeah, I haven't <laughs> I seen. Didn't, them. I didn't know that. I knew they were live action. The ones. Asterix, the actor that plays Asterix, changes across the films, but mm. I think Gerard Depardieu is is a consistent yeah i only realized i i revisited a couple of them recently um because i fondly remembered them and they are not how i remember some of them are still delightful and some of them are weird um but i i the watched... asterix and the 10 tasks yeah, yeah. the 10, 10 12 12 12, ta- 12 tasks of asterix yeah. was was one that was one i watched again recently and the um the vo- the english dub uh, asterix is bill Oddie. Oh wow! <laughs> um, like Bill Oddie from um, the Gardening. Yeah, no, is it Gardening? but he used to be in the Goonies. Mm. I think the Goonies. Yeah, no, not the Goonies. What am I? Th- uh, the Goon Show. Um, the mm. what with Spike Milligan? Not the yeah no. yeah the, them lot the British yeah. comedians, not the the nineteen eighties American teens running riot. <laughs> you mean the Stranger Things prequel? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I remember my the first film that I saw. I think it was the first film that I saw in the cinema, which was our local cinema. Ed and I grew up in coastal Essex, and our local cinema is one of the oldest working cinemas, it's definitely in England, but I think maybe in the world. Well, that's enough for them to figure out where we live. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but no, they don't know exactly. <laughs> And we don't live there anymore anyway. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was built in 1911. And uh, I think I only really begun to appreciate just how special that was to have it because I just took it for granted my whole life. And I've and only recently have I realised, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's an amazing cinema that's really held together by volunteers. And uh, it's it's been having a lot of work done recently. And of course, it's been closed because of COVID. But yeah. The first film I saw was, it was a re-release of The Jungle Book, and When Baloo Dies at the end, I must have been four. I think I've been looking through the Electric Palace programmes recently, and I actually figured out what day it was. I think I was four. I found the screening, and because it correlated with Mum's diary entries. (laughs) And uh, When Baloo Dies at the end, I was so traumatised, and I would not stop crying, and Mum actually had to take me out but even when he comes he comes back he's not dead it's revealed that he's he's still alive i yeah, was still i was gonna say i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't get over and i was just crying all the way home and i have a very specific memory of walking down church street with like bawling because blue died um mm. yeah so that was my first film experience wow <laughs> uh, i have i have Vivid memories of being young and traumatised at stuff in that cinema. I, I, yeah, I didn't understand what was going on most of the time. Space Jam was a big one. Like, that's 
I remember that because that was the most uh, full I've ever seen the cinema. They filled it. They filled all the seats and they had people standing and sitting in the aisles. Wow. And this is a very small cinema, I guess. Oh, I'm, I'm terrible with remembering numbers, but I think it's something like 300 seats. That sounds Maybe about less. right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's about 300 seats and basically the whole cinema was packed. So all, all of this is... <laughs> for for me uh, personally to say that I I love heartwarming children's movies with no sense of of dread or fear or any kind of violence or gore because I am a, a massive weakling softy kind of guy um, not in my brain my brain is I I can deal with anything so emotional trauma in real life and gore in real life I'm fine. But movies where anything happens like that, I um, feel faint and have panic attacks. So I can't watch horror movies even if I want to, and I can't watch anything too like like silly, gory stuff, like like Starship Troopers and stuff. I'll happily go along with and violent video games and stuff I love. But anything too that too real and too immersive. So like I don't know, I've never seen any of the Saw movies. I don't want to. Yeah. The, la- the last horror movie I tried to watch and had a panic attack was Green Room, which I really enjoyed right. the first twenty minutes of. Yeah, yeah. I've only, weirdly enough, I only, I've only seen the first twenty minutes of that, but I've heard it's really good. Mm. Um, that's interesting that you have no problem with violent video games, though. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's cartoony and silly. Right. I, yeah. I love. I love GTA. I love. I love the Red Dead. I love. But the Last of Us is pretty grisly. That's, yeah, I, and I held off on playing it for a long time. I really didn't want to, because <laughs> it's, it's too dour and serious and full of dread and sadness. Right. But and you enjoyed it, though? Or was yeah, it, was I, it I mean, I, I did eventually, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I mean, And now uh, you're just building up to The yeah. Last of Us Part <laughs> <laughs> Working up my tolerance. Maybe one day I'll get back to horror movies. But, yeah. yeah, I've only... Oh, God, horror movies. I think the first horror film I ever saw was... Um... The original Dawn of the Dead, which is kind of silly. It's goofy and comic, and it's it's essentially like um, a satire on consumerism mm. because all of the zombies are attracted to the shopping mall. Um, but I remember that gave me nightmares for for weeks. It was it was really uh, horrifying. Mm-hmm. But, but all, all of this is to say that we are fascinated, in particular, with family films kids movies stuff aimed at kids things that are animated that are fun and um not too much like there are certainly lots of adult themes but nothing too immediate and and scary in the moment and certainly no gore or anything like <laughs> well that's interesting that's interesting i mean because i i uh, that's interesting to hear that's where you're coming from for, for me and i think we are coming from similar places but for me, the jeopardy and gore and like fright factor uh, isn't really an issue in other films. I I I, I love horror films now, um, but what I'm coming from is that where I'm coming from is on this is that I kind of feel like uh, making things for that is meant uh, meant for children is a really important thing because you're essentially teaching children the values of your right. society right. And in, in like uh, children's films done really really well 
are teaching, yeah, teaching children the most fundamental uh, values and philosophies and worldview of 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 how how to live a good I life see. and and import, it's it's imparting uh, valuable lessons to children. Right. And I just find that really fascinating. Right. So so yeah, I'm. My my take on it was um a more the the particular angle we're going for we're going for like spiritual philosophy politics ways of thinking representing the world and stuff um my thought was it's more to do with kids movies are interesting because you have to sneak that stuff through the back door yeah. if you if you can't have it like up on in full and like like I don't know. Um, you could, you can't have a movie that's about like I don't know racism head on uh, where you you know depict well police brutality or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh no, this film gets pretty close. <laughs> shall, shall we? we, shall, we name, shall we name the movie? Well, and, and get into it. Well, I just I just wanted to say that another thing that I ju- I just remembered this yesterday that another reason why. Um, I'm interested in talking about politics and kids movies is, uh, you know, the, the popular culture detective, he's, he's YouTube a guy. YouTuber. Yeah. yeah. And he makes, he generally makes really interesting, really well-researched videos that identify tropes in popular cinema, um, in regards to gender stereotypes and, and, uh, gender norms and sexism and mm. he, SJW stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he he kind of I think correctly identified a trope in a lot of horror and uh, in a lot of fantasy and science fiction films called the um uh born sexy yesterday. Right. Which is yeah. when there there is a it's always a male protagonist and he finds either a robot or an alien or a mermaid like in um yeah. uh what's that? What was that? Splash. And basically, or the Little Mermaid. Yeah, and it, the, the, this character is um, she has the body of a very conventionally attractive adult woman, but um, the naive naivety, the mind of a of a child, and uh, she can be kind of uh, she'll fall in love with your Joe Schmo like main protagonist. Right, and yeah, I'm thinking of the Fifth Element. The Fifth That's, Element is the ultimate right. example of yeah. that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of a, a quite a twisted trope that you would just find everywhere. Yeah. And, and it, it just this completely naive adult woman that will fall in love with the guy. Anyway, this is a sidebar. Uh, basically, the popular culture detective, he made this video about Wally, um, which is one of my all-time favorite films. And he posits that Wally is a sociological film in that it, Usually in a lot of traditional Disney films, there's one villain and it's the the idea that uh, there's just one rotten apple. Mm. It's not a system that's wrong. It's this one rotten yeah. apple. And if we can remove the rotten apple, then society and every, everything will be good and we'll go back. Yeah, but yeah. real life isn't that easy or simple. And often it's institutions and systems and um, well, belief systems uh, and hierarchies that are the problem. And Wally... There isn't in Wally. There isn't a conventional villain. The mm. villain is a way of life that everybody has agreed upon. These social norms that everyone's agreed upon that will be beneficial for the human race, but they've become mm. 
Um, so the real deadliest animal is humans. Yeah, <laughs> we are we are we are our own worst enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, the the antagonist of the the film is uh, is just following the paths of least resistance. Right. And um, it's I just thought that was a really great video, and it really I just thought that's so cool that you can put that kind of thing into a children's movie and also i guess inside out as well just really blew me away like the idea that uh an animated film and also particularly an american animated film can posit the idea that that can teach that uh sadness is Mm. is a valuable and perfectly valid thing um and it's okay to be sad that's just so great and people said that film was convoluted and difficult to understand but no i i've seen young children understanding it fully and i i just think that's a really noble and valuable thing to have to teach life lessons to children through mm. cinema pixar lately has been on a you know i mean they've always been on I mean, a haven't they always been? yeah <laughs> <laughs> but they, i mean they probably they punch consistently highly pretty much i haven't they, seen dinosaur i heard it was bad it was. Yeah. Oh, you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Long, long time ago. Have you seen Soul as well? Yeah. Did I you like, like Soul? It? It's not. It's it's not amazing, special, game changing, like like revelatory. Like I'm sure for some people it is. It's it was really good, but you know it's. I liked it good. a lot. It reminded me. It's the same director as 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 Inside Out. I right. think Pete Doctor, and it's kind of similar in that it's metaphysical. Uh, it's very is dealing with very abstract concepts um but i just felt like inside out was a lot more graceful and this one soul was a bit more convoluted and truncated and a little, there's a lot of yeah the, the, exposition the law i guess the backstory the, lore, yeah, the yeah. world building is is a little bit more hairy and doesn't quite sit sweaty yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um it, yeah no, but it's a good movie. I liked it a lot. I'm looking forward to the next one, Luca. Have you seen the trailer for that? Yeah, the Italian fascinating. And Coco wasn't that wonderful. Coco was wonderful. Um, okay, so uh, the talk? first film that we are here to talk about today is Zootopia. Well, what is the title? <laughs> in in the UK, it's, it's Zootopia. Right. Is it? Or is that in America? I think, I think that's the generally known title. No, I'm sure it was, no. Was I, it? I was think it, is it. I thought it was localized to the UK as Zootropolis. Yeah, Zootropolis is, is, is the UK title. But I think we should go by the Chinese title. Can you guess what that is? I'm gonna. Get... I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'll tell you the Chinese title. Can you? Uh, so you know the film Dumb and Dumber. Um. So the Chinese yeah. title for Dumb and Dumber is two stupid men okay so based on that what do you think the chinese title is for for zootropolis clever animals learn tolerance that that that's definitely the subtext yeah (laughs) (laughs) no it's a lot it's a, a lot more um Police rabbit is hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's really hot. Yeah, it's true. You found some dubious fan art. I'd like to see some of that. <laughs> no, the Chinese title is Crazy Animal City. Because oh, they're no. all so crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. It's such a crazy animal city. 
Um, One of the notes I consistently made while rewatching this is that the there's only one joke in the whole movie, and that isn't it weird? They're animals. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. They're animals. They live in a city, a modern utopia. Yeah, they're just it's like so, us, but they're animals. That's quite a different inflection, though, isn't it? A, a metropolis and a utopia, mm. quite different things. I'm wondering why. Well, it's only in the, America. It's utopia. The, you, they've only copied the suffix topia. It could also be dystopia. It's true, which it kind of does turn out to be. I don't know what topia means. Mm. I, I imagine it's something like idea thing future. <laughs> so maybe maybe it is an apt description of the movie. Maybe it's just an accurate description what? of the world they've built as utopia. I think we animals should, in the future. I think we should mention also if, if anyone's in doubt as to why we are. What are our credentials? What are our what, credentials? What qualifies us? What, what, yes. Why are we qualified to talk about this? Well. I am uh, I am a filmmaker and I studied uh, screenwriting mm. and direction at film school and uh, and Ed studied linguistics at Cambridge, very prestigious. Right. And you've also been a member of the Labour Party. Right. So I'm I'm. You dealt yeah. with the Labour Party's treasure, didn't you? I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hid their gold. You hid the Labour Party's <laughs> treasure. No, I was I was secretary of a local branch for one year, and it was I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that maybe that's another podcast. We can edit all of this <laughs> um, <laughs> heavily. <I've> got... <laughs> or so... not? Or not? Leave it in. Isn't isn't it all gold? Really? Isn't it treasure? Right. Isn't this Isn't this all just fantastic? Have this is heard... what people want, right? Yeah, right. They want the authenticity. Have you heard the trailer for the? I haven't listened to the podcast, but the Meghan and Harry trailer. Oh God! When they they leave in all the the bloopers, like, oh right, is this is this, is this on now? Are we are we recording now? Oh. <laughs> Oh, that sounds It's awful. authentic though, they're real, they're real people. Oh, oh no, am I? Have I brought on the. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you, no, you I brought in the. the oh, I, won't, I won't bring up the royal. <laughs> Although, I mean, we're. <laughs> just the crushing, the crushing sadness just hit a bit early. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, let's go back to the. I mean, it's not going to get any better. We're, we're doing a film that's essentially about the crack epidemic. <laughs> I was um, going to say this movie about cops. Yeah, this <laughs> is this is copaganda. Yeah, isn't it? I was going to wait for the moment where you were going to say, "What's this movie about?" And I was going to say, "Well, it's about some backwards hick yeah. who thinks they're amazing, but is actually just racist, and goes and becomes a cop and makes everything worse." Right. This is really. There are different. Where I have a personal hot take about this film that I haven't seen covered in a lot of the commentary mm. that I've read about it. Let's I guess we'll get to it at the end. Yeah, but let's hold on to the hot take. What is Zootopia? Okay, so, so it's a film made by Disney. I have no idea who it's made by or who's in it or anything. But it's a... Yeah, me neither, yeah. But, like, <laughs> but it's essentially... It's a very unconventional Disney film. Like, what are, oh, what yeah. are Disney films usually... Disney is very, um, oh boy, um, it's very normative, it tends to, historically they tend to have very 
main mainstream, uh, conventionally attractive, straightforward uh, main characters in straightforward occupations doing heroic things and uh, men are heroic and save women. Yeah, they, they often have like traditional fairy tales and uh, traditional hero's journey, like kind of like um, Joseph Campbell, Campbell uh, style, like, like a, a young member of a tribe uh, breaks away from the tribe to go out into a new world and, and learn all these valuable life lessons and finds yeah. a mentor. And, all your and Dan Harmon monomyth stuff. Brings <laughs> brings all of their like learnings back to the tribe and enriches the tribe. I mean, kind of like Mo- Moana is a really good like uh, um, continuation of that tradition. Mm. Um, what, uh, wonderful. And generally they tend to be musicals as well. But there's been a lot of anthropomorphized is that how you say it? anthropomorphized, anthropomorphized. Um, animal uh, movies in Disney but this one is okay so there was rumour a couple of years ago that the Safdie brothers who directed uh, Good Time and Unconscious uh, yeah. have you seen them? yeah they're do you great. like them? I like both of those they were lovely but they're extremely anxiety inducing yeah. films <laughs> yeah I'm surprised. Yeah, they're, they're extremely hard hitting. They're amazing. I I love them. Mm. I heard a rumor. It's not true now. They but there was a there was a moment when they were going to uh, direct a remake of Forty Eight Hours. Have you seen Forty Eight Hours? No. Is this for Eddie Murphy? Yes. Yeah, so Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. Yeah. And Nick Nolte is the like the 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 white cop who's just you know he's a hard boozer and he's a terrible father and boyfriend and or is he a father I can't remember but you know he you know but he gets the job done yeah. but he needs to team up with with uh, an African American guy played by Eddie Murphy and he's really streetwise and they have to learn mm. to do they get along yeah they... well, eventually <laughs> and they get they learn to not be racist. Right. And to so, each other, yeah, yeah, both, both of them, exactly. both sides need to, <laughs> yeah, 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 both sides, right? <laughs> well, we're gonna have to get into that in this, but um, uh, he, uh, so I didn't realize that you know, Forty Eight Hours has already been remade, but just with anthropomorphized animals <laughs> in two thousand sixteen. That's, that's your take. That's that's the plot. No, that's cause... not even my hot take. But like, oh, it's, wow. it's like it's absolutely it's very similar. It's that you know, um, that's the blueprint. Okay. This is forty eight hours meets Crash, <laughs> but with cartoon animals, <laughs> and but also Chinatown. This is this is a on this in terms of genre. This is a. Uh, a detective movie, a detective mystery. There's been there's been a murder, and the cop has got to find out yeah. what's going on and uncover a, a conspiracy, and uh, and she's got to work with some streetwise guy. You know, it's like this is, and also it's extremely uh, political, mm. and um, there's a lot of very ambitious political themes and uh, conversations and debates in it. It's a dense movie. And yeah. Mostly, I think it pulls it off. And I love this movie. I think it's, it's great. But it's, it's really odd. Like, you'd expect it from maybe Warner Brothers. Yeah. Not that... Do Warner Brothers do animations anymore? I'm, I'm so terrible at <laughs> everything. But, like, you'd expect it 
you, you, it's just strange coming from Disney. Mm. And I did read a take somewhere that it, this is kind of trying to make up for the notorious uh, skeleton in Disney's closet. Have you ever seen... Song of the South. Yeah, have you seen I it? haven't seen it, and I'm looking forward to maybe doing it one day. I would love to see it, yeah. <laughs> but um, there's actually, there's an amazing um, uh, podcast series called You Must Remember This, and it's uh, by Karina Longworth, who is married to Ryan Johnson, who directed Brick oh, yeah. and The Brothers Bloom and Blooper and obviously The Last Jedi. Mm. Um, and Knives Out. And Knives Out, yeah, which is amazing, yeah. Um, uh, and so uh, she makes this series about uh, untold and forgotten histories of Hollywood. And she's got a whole, I think it's six episode uh, series, mini-series based on the making of The Song of the South. Mm. I can't recommend it enough. It's fascinating. Um, and the kind of history of minstrel culture and the lady that won, she was the first African-American actress to win an acting award at the Oscars and she wasn't even allowed to sit at the same table as the white filmmakers and other stars. She had to sit on her own at the back of the theatre and it's because it was still segregated even though and she'd won an award. It's, it's crazy. But anyway, um, yeah, so... Like history is Disney has a bad history of making <laughs> films about race and Ryan, so. Ryan Johnson. Those movies we just listed, I mean, the ones I've seen are another good example of movies that are very clearly like genre movies and uh, oh yeah, like, like like the text is this you know it's just a fun story and subtextually uh, clearly about something highly political. Totally, like Knives Out is the you know the the silly Cluedo like, who done it about. Yeah, you know, immigration, but it's but the, yeah, racism like, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> racism. And so, stuff. so it's yeah, and the same with the Last Jedi as well, which yeah. which we, I mean, at the risk of uh, alienating uh, half of the people that listen to this, so that's like we've lost <laughs> a person, I guess. Um, we both love the Last Jedi. I I really liked it. Yeah, I, I love. I've heard some of the criticisms because I spent a lot of time on the internet. That's my other qualifying feature for this podcast. I, have, I don't know anything about film or politics, really, but I do spend a lot of time online in the bad places. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... In, in the places where all the, all the Last Jedi critics hung out. Yeah, yeah, pretty grim. I, I will defend Last Jedi um, uh, to the grave. I won't defend what it said, but I will defend to the death its right to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, Zootopia, I think what we should do is a run-through of the plot, yeah. which we're inevitably going to get wrong, because it's very difficult to run through. Like, like pure bare-bones what happens. Because, yeah. like, I, I think we should do a layer of, like, this is what happens, and not, like, this is what it's about, or... The, yeah, but I, I, think, I think we can, like, flag up, you know, favourite scenes and characters and sure. jokes and sure. so on, but, like, we'll just do a basic run-through of the movie. So... What where what is uh, the world of Zootopia? The world of Zootopia is set up in the very first scene, which is uh, a a children's play, a, a school play about the world they live in and their history and what it's like. And the world is set up where once upon a time there were two kinds of animals: there were predator animals and prey animals, and the predators eat the prey. And nowadays we beyond that. 
we have evolved and we live side by side in harmony and prey don't have to be scared and they can go and do whatever they want and predators don't have to chase prey and be worried about coming across as scary and they don't have to give in to their more primal instincts yeah they can and they can also do anything they want and so prey can go and be doctors and lawyers and actuaries and so can predators and they live side by side in harmony the end and uh our main character is judy hops who is a young bunny rabbit and i'm guessing i mean it seems it's like an equivalent of the the midwest Oh no, we're not decoding at the moment. <laughs> she she lives in a small town, yes. <laughs> um, and um, she really really wants to be a police officer because she wants to make the world a better place. Yeah. So uh, uh, she, um... And her parents really don't want her to 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 be a police officer. Yeah. They want her to. Yeah, I think they're very funny characters. They're great. Um, they, but they, 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 they're scared of the big city. They think there's too many scary people out there and, and she'll get lost and she'll be in danger. So they want her to stay in her small town and take over the, the farming business. There. What, what is it they say? They said dreams are fine as long as you don't believe in them. <laughs> or, um, yeah, like we, we just settled. We settled hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but she's uh, really uh, adamant that she wants to become a police officer. Yeah. So. and this is this is aberrant and weird because no prey animal has ever become a police officer before. Well, On no, contrary. no, they they have. But this, yeah, already it's getting complicated because <laughs> there are plenty of prey um, in the police force, but she's a particularly small prey. Right. That's there's, there's never, never been, been a bunny, right. basically, and. Uh, so this, the odds are stacked against her, and everyone, nobody really uh, believes that she can do it. Starting with her parents, mm. but like, so she goes to um, uh, police training, and um, she learns to use her wits and her size to overcome and, and uh, impress and become top of her class. And she is she graduates and gets offered a post at the police department in uh, Zootopia, in Zootropolis. Well, I, I, I don't know. It? I don't know what they call it in the movie. The, the big city. The big city. Yeah. The... Um, I think it's called Zoot- Zootropolis. In the movie? I, I think I swear I saw a sign saying Zootropolis. I wonder if they did different versions and had it localised yeah. differently. Well, I yeah, but that sounds like a lot of animation. Yeah, it like, sounds like a lot of work. I'm I, I, pretty I, sure it reads Zootropolis. Oh, I watched the version that's definitely called Zootopia and yeah. said Zootopia in the movie. Yeah. Anyway, mm. so she travels there and she finds out that there are all these different districts um, in the city. Um, there's a desert, there's a rainforest, there's a tundra. Um, and there's also just a section that looks like New York. Um but yeah. <laughs> for all different type sizes of animals it's very it's hmm. really imaginative the way that they've kind of anthropomorphized all this uh, cityscape for for different types of animal um, right. so she goes she goes to uh, have, she she moves into a tiny a tiny apartment and, a, and it smells and the walls are sticky and she goes to her first day on the job and um it becomes basically apparent that that she's just sort of like a, a 
a, a pretty face to put on on the department and they don't take her seriously as right because she's a member officer. of the mammal inclusion initiative right right and uh but the thing is it seems to me that everyone's a mammal in the film do they mean is that what it's called it is it's called oh. i've i've seen the film twice now and i've noted it down it's called the mammal inclusion initiative mm. and yeah but all of the mammals are in the film these are questions that I have that we can <laughs> save for later. But I don't think there are any birds or reptiles in the film. Oh, there's certainly no fish. Exactly, yeah, or fish. And, and, and Or crustaceans. Yeah, or insects, invertebrates. Anyway, she's a member of an inclusion program uh, initiative, that, mm. and that's um, uh, people don't take her seriously. So she gets put on parking meter duty, and... Um, it's quite an odd scene where we're we're rooting for a character to give out as many parking tickets as she possibly can. It's, yeah, <laughs> they give her a quota and she's like, I'm going to double it before yeah. noon. I could do 200 <laughs> before noon. I'm going to make so much money for the state, yeah. regardless of the, exactly. <laughs> the um, legal basis. The police training montage, by the way, is like mostly in the rain and it it's just like... I'm sure, I'm certain it was intentionally invoking Silence of the Lambs. She is like a little Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so uh, what the, happens? The next notable thing that happens is she runs into a fox who she spies the other side of the road. And she, it's this has been vaguely set up. Oh yeah, with, we forgot at home about with her how parents. she was bullied in, as a child. Yeah, she was bullied a as a child by a fox, and her parents are terrified of foxes and warn her to stay away from foxes and give her a fox repellent spray to carry with her at all times. Yeah, so right. She... And the parents like warn her. Yeah, about yeah. about predators and foxes. Has did your parents ever do that to you when you moved to the big city? Um, I went to. Edinburgh for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival when I was 18 years old and right I got up early to get on the train long old train ride and my dad told me very first thing uh, before I got out the car watch out for the Scots <laughs> some of some of <laughs> in fairness he followed it with some of them are very patriotic and despise the English for the awful things we've done to them historically yeah. but in general, watch out for Scottish people. <laughs> <laughs> With no, nothing, it was very cryptic. Yeah. yeah, when I moved to, um, I did my Erasmus, which unfortunately is no longer a thing thanks to Brexit. But I did an a a, a, a year Losing abroad. The in, All the Brexiters. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I uh, did a year studying abroad in Prague in uh, the Czech Republic and when I left dad was in said in no uncertain terms that you know Slavic people will pick your pocket like just watch out for that they are all <laughs> thieves um so yeah I could relate to this scene where the bunny parents mm. are sending Judy off and saying watch out for foxes and predators so prejudice is is uh, stated at the front of the film absolutely this is what it's about mm. So she follows the fox a little bit because she is immediately suspicious of him because he looks kind of shifty. Um, and it turns out he's uh, he's got a little boy, um, presumably his son, and he's just trying to buy an ice cream for his son. Um, 
And he's being refused service by yeah. the elephant that runs the shop. Yeah. Um, he's, he's trying to buy a jumbo pop, which is a very large ice cream, clearly intended for a very large animal. And it's, it's bigger than all, all that, all the tiny creatures put together. Um, but you know, it's his right and he should be allowed to buy whatever product he wants. It's a fair society. And Judy immediately feels bad and, and, and hates herself for, you know, having such awful prejudices and... Having judged him before he went in the shop. Yeah. So, so she, so she, she uses the law. Yeah. She steps in and threatens a health and safety violation against the, the guy running the shop and uh, pays for the ice lolly and um, they walk this out. giant to... ice lolly <laughs> that the kid can hardly... It doesn't, it's not really explained how it can carry it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, but then she follows, oh no, she continues parking meter ticketing and she feels very proud of herself and she's very, she's kind of condescending to the fox and it says, you know, you seem like a really lovely man and you're very articulate. Yeah, I've written it down. She says, why, you're just a real articulate fella. Yeah. And the fox says, wow, and you're very non-patronizing and it doesn't come across as sarcastic in the moment, but. As you like it's, to realize. I just want to say it's such great like he that's the only cast member I'm I'm familiar with and Jason Bateman is so good as <laughs> as Nick the Fox. He's just the perfect voice for a sly fox. Because he does turn out to be sly, uh, as the stereotype goes, and actually there uh he and his partner are melting this enormous uh jumbo pop on a rooftop. And then collecting all of the melted uh, strawberry, it looks like strawberry, kind of uh, goo, and making hundreds of miniature pops, um, uh, lollipops, mm. that they sell to little rodents. What are they? I don't know. They, they move between all the various districts to try to perform this process. So they go somewhere really hot on a rooftop to melt the ice cream. Then they go to the tundra to refreeze them. Then they go to some sort of financial looking district. And I don't know, hamsters come out? Yeah, the Ident hamsters. Identical right. hamsters. Yeah, little they're identical like little suits. hamster businessmen. And yeah. they sell the hundreds of lollipops to them. So it's a very clever scam which essentially exploits the fact that there are many different animals of different sizes mm. and different um, districts with different, you know, temperatures and so on. And it's that... quite a clever inner city scam. Yeah. And then they collect all the, all the lolly sticks and, and sell them as lumber to a, to a construction red site. Yeah. Red with strawberry. Yeah. Very mm. clever stamp. So, so um, Judy feels like she's, uh, uh, she's been her trust has been betrayed, and it's kind of sad when uh, a negative stereotype of someone is is proven true. Yeah. So she confronts them, um, and it doesn't really amount to much because he hasn't done anything illegal. So and and he berates her for being out of touch and just uh, just yeah, quick to stop a, a guy just trying to get by i guess um and they leave with no nothing more about it um yeah and then what happens next she's constantly underestimated in the police force um her boss is a water buffalo so technically he's not 
A predator, he's prey. Because he's a water buffalo. Oh, he's yeah. big though, he's big and imposing. He's a big guy. Yeah. But yeah. the mayor of the city is a lion, so he's definitely a predator. Um, I should say ex-predator, I guess, because this is an enlightened utopia where everyone's gotten beyond their, their savage instincts. Yeah. But anyway, the water buffalo is his boss, played by Idris Elba. Who you're also familiar with. In addition to Jason Bateman. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and... Uh, what happens? Oh yeah, she keeps being underestimated and then there's a desperate... Is it a weasel? Yeah. An otter. An otter. No, it's a weasel. This is, this is the... Oh, there's a the weasel chase. Up. There's a weasel chase. There's, um, she's handing out tickets and uh, a guy comes out, a pig comes out and bashes on her window and says, you got to catch that guy, he just robbed me and it's a weasel running away with a bag full of money. Um, presumably money. So she chases after him, and she's delighted to finally be doing some actual police work. Right. In quotes. Yeah. Um, Rather than blackmailing people with, with uh, <laughs> health and safety. Yeah. Um, so she runs after this this weasel, and there is a, a themed <laughs> chase scene where they they run into one of the communities that is populated by tiny rodents. So they're running around this. It, it, Oh, it's really great. It's like Godzilla. Yeah, kind of from their point of view, it's a tiny, tiny little neighborhood, and and they're scared of stepping on people, and yeah, they cause just mayhem. Yeah, yeah. So it's a whole new angle on collateral damage that you see in like action films and cop films. You know, they're running around this tiny neighborhood with all the little rodents running around, and yeah. Oh well, we'll get to coding later. The Italian rodents. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. So the police chief is very disappointed with her because she caused so much, like, uh... oh no, I wrote this down. It's really funny. She incited a... A scurry. A scurry. She <laughs> incited a scurry. It's so great. Um, yeah. And inciting a scurry, yeah. So she gets fired for all her Oh, well, she's like fired? Probably. Yeah. She loses her badge? Yeah. She's kicked off the force. Yeah, or just only about to be, to be immediately reinstigated because uh, the the assistant mayor turns up. Um, oh, we forgot he's my favorite character. Like the oh no, oh, the, the, the um the the the, 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 the cougar. What's no, his name? Claw Clawheimer. Oh no, you you you're thinking of the, the the guy who works on the front desk. Yeah, he's the, so in funny. The police department, Clawhauser. Clawhauser. Yeah, he's my favorite character. He's, he's a donut eating cheater. Cheetah is a cheetah or a jaguar or something, some yeah. kind of big cat. And he, big he cat. calls, he finds the the donut that's stuck in his neck, and he says, "Oh, there you are, you little dickens." <laughs> <laughs> um, very funny um, character, donut eating cop. Mm. So everybody, everybody's stereotyped in this film. Like, yeah. he's the donut eating cop. She's the overly emotional bunny. But all, but also so, he is. I think he's like the first character we encounter who is sort of contrary to this predator-prey thing, where he's clearly right. a predator animal, like yeah. he's a big, big cat with massive teeth and stuff, but he's also a, like, obese, campy... Yeah, he's quite like, camp, isn't he? Um, from, he's, he's clearly just delightful, and yeah. not a, yeah. you know, a threat to anyone. <laughs> yeah, not a, a malevolent bone in his body. Yeah. Um, and... So he he comes in. Oh, that's right, because there's an otter, a desperate yeah. otter, 
who and comes then... in and claims that her her husband is missing. Yes, She's gone missing, and it just so happens that the the deputy mayor, yeah, who, who is a sheep, and also a woman, Bellwether, yeah. Bellwether, and she happens to be around. And she, she's quite supportive of, of, uh, of Judy, um, because she's also a, a, a small mammal. Yeah, uh, who's... she says us little guys got to stick together. Yeah, I know we're not getting into decoding um, the metaphors now, but it's kind of difficult to... It's essentially like, it's really running with the women in... Um, uh, the workplace yeah. kind of thing and they're being yeah. um, she's really uh, not treated well by her male superiors and mm-hmm. so on yeah, and, and, and constantly underestimated um, so we've us we've got to stick together and so she gets Judy the job of trying to uh, hunt down what happened to this find out what happened to this missing otter yeah um, and there's no real clues, nowhere to start, so she pours through the files and she finds a trace of the, the, a picture of the otter eating this right. lollipop. Oh, because there's, there's, there, there, there's a, there's seven other missing predators as well. Mm. That's a, that's the big police case that's going on right now that Judy up to, up until this point hasn't mm. been allowed to be a part of. There are seven missing predators and nobody knows what's happened to them. And uh, she's now on the case. She's been given the case by the the assistant mayor, assistant deputy mayor. mayor. Yeah, number two, number two to J.K. Simmons, yeah. the, the lion mayor. Oh, so you know some voice cast as well. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to slowly come to us. <laughs> yeah, um, J.K. Simmons, the lion mayor, and um, so she's put on the case to find out what happens to this otter, and what. She finds she yeah. There's there's been no notes in the case file. There's no there's no progress on the case. But there is this one picture of the otter eating a, a, a nice one of the one of the ice lollies, yeah. right? So she goes to find Nick the fox. Yeah, because he might know where this uh, otter is. And oh yeah, this is one of my favorite scenes when they go to the naturalist club, <laughs> and it's such a funny joke because it's basically a nudist colony that's kind of like some kind of yogi buddhist retreat in the middle of the city with all Mm. these bohemian yogi types and they're all nudists all of our main characters we've forgotten to mention they all wear clothes um but and you know it's a kids movie but they get away with the animals being nude because we see animals naked yeah. all the time. No, so no visible dongs or or he whores. No, but it's just really it's really funny because there's these really um, exuberant like slow motion shots of like uh, hippos like writhing around in the water, <laughs> and it is it's sexualized in a funny way. Like it's funny nudity except. It looks normal because that's what animals look like. Um, and, and the yak who shows them around is voiced by Dave Chong? The Chong of Cheech and Chong. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. He's a massive stoner. Um, or at least he seems to be. He's crawling with flies. And they get a lead here. So this is kind of a... This is a trope in um, in detective 
stories that like the characters have got to go to a mental asylum they've got to go to some kind of hippie commune type thing and they've got to go to a prison um and i think those things are all kind of ticked off in this movie yeah there's sort of a whole series of the so they go to this new disc colony then they go to i know they find the number plate so they trace a limo to out back of some ice packing plant somewhere and have to break into the car um oh and then they go to the oh yeah the dmv yeah what does dmv oh, yeah. stand for it's I mean, in real life, it's the Department of Motor Vehicles yeah. in America, but here it's the something else. It's a Department for Mammal Vehicles or something. It's it's some, so, it's some joke. But it's like a reoccurring joke in American films that the DMV is notoriously slow and bureaucratic. Yes. And, I mean, is that the same in England? I guess so. Uh, I've, I've had good experiences with the... Yeah, me too. I mean, just in American movies, it's always just the most miserable. It's such a butt of yeah. the joke. Yeah. Um, and it is a very funny joke and very funny scene in that, like, everyone that works in the DMV is a sloth and they're extremely slow. And there's a very funny scene when the sloth is, like, typing in the number plate um, mm. and she really wants it to go fast. Oh, and, you know, uh, uh, is it like the the fox reprimands her for uh, thinking that sloths are slow because yeah. that's a negative stereotype? You think he's going to take ages just because he's a sloth? Yeah, yeah. what yeah. kind of that's prejudice, man. Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. But actually, he is really slow because sloths are by nature, and that's you know it's it's complicated, man. Yeah, well, you're getting into sticky territory. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Uh, they what happens yeah they, they they get the they get the number plate for this this limo and trace it to an ice packing plant and it turns out the limo belongs to a mob boss oh right and then they have the whole godfather thing yeah, yeah. and that's also another joke it's with, the most it, explicit film reference in the whole film i think i think so because... and also the dumbest joke because he's called mr big but he's a tiny rodent right uh, yeah that's true yeah so yeah, that, that's definitely a thing that has been a huge part of um, traditionally Disney movies and definitely Pixar movies don't rely on references to other popular culture. Whereas, like uh, DreamWorks films, like Shrek is the most common example. They're just full of popular culture references, mm. which usually become outdated within a few years. Mm. And Shrek just really hasn't aged well at all. Um, because of it. And so it's just surprising to see such an overt reference to uh, The Godfather. And mm. pretty soon, Breaking Bad uh, is, yeah. is in this as well. Um, but yeah, basically, all of the Italians are voles. I, I figured that because they kind of look like voles. Although their noses are more elongated. I looked up <laughs> pictures of voles on, on Google Images. And you did research. Yeah, yeah, I, I did research. and, and the, But I think they're voles because they listen to a singer that's clearly a crooner based on Frank Sinatra called Jerry Vole. Oh. So that's how I figured that they're voles. But maybe they're, they're rodents anyway. But, tiny, tiny rodents. Yeah. But they have uh, polar bear henchmen. Yeah, which is also kind of funny. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I mean, it's not. It's funny that they're bears. They're not polar bears in particular, because they work at an ice packing plant. 
But I guess this is this is another oh, sort of. Oh, that's the link I didn't make. Yeah, this is okay. yeah. We've seen polar bears before as well. I think there's some polar bear cops and like the drill sergeant person in the in the training scene yeah. is is like a polar bear. But um, yeah, this is funny because it's clearly a bunch of tiny people in charge of a in charge of a, a, some much larger people, which, you know, it's a funny inversion of this power balance thing. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen, do you remember Ben-Hur? Have you seen, like, the 50, is it 57? Like, the Charlton Heston Ben, Ben-Hur. Ben No. There's a, there's I mean, a, I know of it. Yeah. There's a character in it. I think it's a character. There's a character in it who's, like, a really wise, but, like, a disabled old man who has the brains, and he has a really large man that carries him around everywhere right. and he's the body. Right. But I think they also do that in um, Mad Max 3 Beyond the Thunderdome as well. Like, oh. like... my, my reference point was going to be Rick and Morty. There's just a one throwaway scene where there's a fly who runs a frog cafe. Oh, he's right. like, I'm a fly who runs a frog cafe. There's so much that's interesting about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... So, and the gangsters help them out. The Godfather helps them out. Yeah. Which is nice. By doing what? Like, sending them... Like, what the hell do the Italian gangsters have to do with this? I don't know. They send them to a Jaguar taxi driver. Yeah. It turns out that the otter they're looking for was in the back of the limo. Right. And the Jaguar was was the driver. Right, right, right. Uh, It's... It's all really tenuous. I've no idea how they got to this, how they got to the naturist camp in the first place. Yeah. Well, no, because what's, um, what's his name? It's all, brought it, her there. Uh, Nick. Nick the fox brought her there because there's because it's a detective movie. Yeah, they, they just jump from place to place, and it's not. Well, that's really what clear happens in detective movies. Like, and this yet. is why detective movies I find difficult to follow and almost impossible to recount the story because they're always going from. Um, they're just following leads. And uh, Paul Thomas Anderson said that, like, when he was making the film Inherent Vice, he just said, you're not supposed to be able to follow any of it. It's just about um, populating your film with, like, interesting and kooky characters in new different locations. And right. it's, it's just about the next time you can have a cool shootout scene or see a sexy lady. Um, it's just about getting to the next one and you don't have to remember how you got there. Right. And, I mean, that's very much like the noir detective genre. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, we've gone from the nudist colony to the Godfather, like, wedding. It's an Italian wedding. And then, and now we're going to the rainforest district to find the the taxi driver who was carrying the otter. Yeah. Uh, He doesn't want to talk to them. They somehow convince him can't remember exactly how but they they finally get into his house and he's disappeared and sort of when they find him he attacks them yeah he's, he's gone savage yeah he's acting like an actual panther and yeah. then sort of all the anthropomorphism is gone and he's still a cartoony looking panther but but he's he's he, he wants to he's trying to maul them yeah essentially oh yeah it's important to mention that all of the people that have gone missing they're all um uh, they're all predators, yeah. including the otter, yeah. which otters I... eat fish. Right, exactly. Yeah, because so, <laughs> I kind of assumed because he's small, mm. um, he was a prey. But no, he's he's an otter too. So basically, these these uh, predators who've gone missing, they've gone missing, and they've they've turned savage. Mm. Um, so you know, there's scratches all over the back seat of the limo, but it looks yeah. like the otter is like freaked out and started scratching the, the upholstery up. 
Yeah, so Ooh. do they, they catch him, right? They catch the jaguar? Uh, no, he, they, um, they find out later by, uh, he, he gets away, he disappears, um, the back, backup turns up and tells them off. And, and this is sort of a sort of sad downbeat in the movie where she, you know, she's given her 24 hours to solve this case and it looks like she's made no progress at all. Right. All everyone turns up, Idris Elba, the water buffalo turns up and, and tells her off for, you know, oh, so this jaguar looked savage or does every predator look savage to you kind of, kind of thing. Right, right. So um, she's shaming, uh, he's shaming her for, uh, for her prejudice against predators. Yeah. So... I can't remember what happens next. Um, they... Or she tries to explain it. Yeah, she tries to explain uh, it, yeah. and Nick stands up for her. Um, Nick the fox, and and says she's been doing the best she can. And yeah, they're not quite sure where to go next. And this is a bit where Nick shares some of his backstory: how he was bullied as a kid by a bunch of prey animals ganging up on him. For... So you know, right. there's all kinds of backstory right. Going so on. yeah, just reinforcing the fact that um, he has been. Mm. Uh, subject subject of uh, speciesist prejudice. Yeah, both um, sides. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what what happens next is they uh, they decide to check security footage, and um, the way they do that is by getting in touch with the assistant mayor, and they go they go to the mayor's office and get hold of a load of footage and manage to track. They find out that the Jaguar disappeared because some people turned up in a van and abducted him. And they right. follow, they track the van to this mysterious laboratory on the edge of town. Right. Um, and so they go to this mysterious laboratory where they find everyone. All of, all of the animals that have gone missing are still savage, kept in cages in this mysterious laboratory. Right, right, right. Um, do we find out now why the reason why they've... They're going savage. No, um, but this is yeah. This is where they have the pre this press conference and Judy. That's gets, it, right? This, yeah. So she's found she's found this laboratory with all of the lost predators in there, and like mm -hmm. what they're they're gonna re. Uh, they're not sure. Rehabilitate it's, them? Yeah, they're, they're, it's, the mayor turns up at this laboratory while they're sneaking around, so it's clear the mayor is involved somehow, and they're all confused, they don't know what's going on. Right, yeah. Um, just all these, all these predators have turned savage, in their words. Um, so they, Judy gives this press conference where they try and explain the situation, and she says, yeah, they're all predators, and they've turned savage. And yeah, they, they have a history, uh, a genetic uh, kind of... Yeah, they're sort of predisposition to maybe turn savage. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, is, is kind of like this pivotal moment in the movie where she's just sort of bumbling, making stipulations, um, guessing at what's going on, yeah. and accidentally causes a huge like national crisis yeah and she really upsets uh nick who thought that he'd you know he'd made a friend who was beginning to um uh see him for more than the stereotype of what a um predator is um but actually she's just gone on national television telling everyone well predators should be feared mm. but essentially like there's a history there so he gets really upset with her. Mm. And we get a sort of montage of, of news footage of all this, you know, so suddenly anti-predator sentiment. Yeah, the conversation. And you have this, this scene on the, the subway when the... Oh, which animal is it? Like, there's two prey animals 
Uh, yeah, like a no, like a dear like a, a mother. Yeah, like a mother and her child, like uh, changing seats to get away from the tiger. Yeah, exactly. Who's yeah. not doing anything? Just reading a book. Yeah. And there's a pig shouting at a cheetah saying, "Go back to the jungle" or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or it's says, not I'm, go back I'm, to the jungle, go, but it's go back to the rainforest. And she says, "I'm from the savanna." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny because, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're just doing face value at the moment, so yeah. you know that's just yeah, that's, that's, that's just got what nothing they said. to do with the real world. <laughs> it's not a cipher for <laughs> it's anything. Just it's just what they said. Yeah, animals yeah. live in places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, uh, so now the predators uh, on a national scale are being um, uh, stereotyped, and and there's a big concern about whether. Mm. And also the mayor is really concerned that he is a predator mayor of mm. a 90% population uh, prey. Yeah, he, he goes to jail at this point because he's been like indicted in this whole conspiracy thing oh, yeah. uh, and trying to figure out what's going on. But he pleads innocence, which is true, ostensibly, by the text of the film. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, he doesn't know what's going oh, on. Oh, yeah, and just... Clawhouse is fired. Clawhouse is fired. Because which... they don't want him to be the front-facing, like, they don't want him to be the person that greets you at the police station mm. because he's a predator. Even so though he's want... delightful. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just because he's a cheater or whatever he is, um, he's a predator. So, um, Judy is sort of promoted. She's, um, she, they, they, the chief of police and the new mayor, the, the former assistant mayor, Bellwether, the tiny sheep, um, they they want her to be like the the public face of law enforcement now to try and smooth things over, but she's embarrassed and just despises herself for the horrible national scandal she's caused. So she decides to go home and sell carrots with her um, boring parents. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Non then... non specific regional parents. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just want to call them Midwestern parents. Um, so th th this, I thought, this is the first bit in the movie where I went, where are they actually, like, geographically? Yeah, like, like... there's actually a shot of Zootropolis, like, a extent, like, when it zooms out, and it's like a, a bird's eye view shot of the whole city, mm. and it seems to be an island surrounded by water um, in in a bay region right okay almost like the gulf of mexico in a way. so the, the bit that confused me was her parents clearly have these thick midwestern accents and then the fox that bullied her when she was little yeah, turns up and right. his accent is like i don't know the most typical like southern yeah hick basically he sounds like everyone in red dead redemption yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um so how what what um, See, yeah. I just watched this movie twice yesterday. <laughs> I still, I'm losing the plot because detective movies do not—they elude me. They yeah. don't stick in my mind. She goes, she goes back home to sell carrots on the side of a road because she's just a bunny and she doesn't know better. Um, and yeah, the, this, this, her parents are just consoling her and telling, telling them, telling her she's got a safe job now and she, they'll always love her and all this consolation stuff. But she's very sad, and this fox turns up, and it's the fox who bullied her when she was little, and he's now running a bakery and selling pies, and he apologises to her for being a bastard when she was little and for bullying her, and they both agree all water under the bridge, and um, she congratulates her parents for, you know, being open-minded enough to be business partners with a fox. Who's... Yeah. 
Yeah, which is kind of sweet. And that is, they came to that conclusion because she moved to the city, right? Mm. She, her belief in the diverse, kind of tolerant society uh, rubbed off on them in a way. Because they sent her off at the beginning of the movie saying, "What beware of foxes. Yeah, yeah. which is quite sweet. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. To be, be friends with the fox. Um, and out of nowhere, um, the big breakthrough in the case comes through. Um, the, sh- sh- it turns out her dad knows a little bit about flowers and there is this particular flower that makes you go crazy um, and makes you act all, all savage, clawing stuff up. And and she realizes this is what's happened to all the all the missing predators in Zootopia, Zootropolis, Zoo X. Um, so she decides to find it's out a about blue this flower. flower. Yeah, this blue flower, and and um, cooked up in a laboratory, just like in Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so she goes back to the city and makes up with Nick, and and they make good and try and figure out what's going on, and they find this another secret lab and. They're trying to get away with the evidence. Right, okay, right. that's right. They've got the evidence, mm. which is like a dart gun with this blue stuff that's pulled from the flower that makes, yeah. makes people go crazy. Which is, uh, you know, uh, not inexplicit reference to Breaking Bad because it's a big lab and they're all wearing masks and also two of the people working in the lab are sheep, but they're called Walter and Jesse. <laughs> Oh, they are? <laughs> yeah. I didn't notice the names. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and they're both voiced by John DiMaggio, most, mostly oh. famous of being Bender in Futurama, but is oh, a okay. delightful voice actor who is in loads of stuff. And uh, then they have this chase sequence, uh, which takes place on the uh, top of a train, and it's uh, a lot of action beats are just like in the film Speed. Yep. Um, and even the bit, you know how at the end of Speed he kills the bad guy by like lifting him up so that his head is taken off by the yeah yeah by the the red light thing yeah and and he just says you know what Jack you know why I win because I'm smarter than you and he says yeah well I'm taller and it doesn't really make any sense because like he's not using his height to no he is he's, to he's, behead him he's using it, his arm no it's funny because he knocks his head off. And now he's really short because he's a, a whole head. Oh tall. my god! That's what that's so about. stupid. <laughs> I always thought that the movie was trying to insinuate that he was using his height to kill him. Oh man! <laughs> I'm 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 the stupid one. I thought the film was stupid, but I'm. That's no, a really it's, stupid it's mistake. Not, it's not. Uh, I mean, it's because that's big, really clever now. It's, he's taller. It's a bit he's clever, but his head off. it's a bit too clever. Because I mean, <laughs> it would it would make more sense if Dennis Hopper was taller than Keanu Reeves in the first place. Yeah, and I'm not convinced he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that that nearly happens in Zootropolis, mm. but um, she dodges it. Um, yeah, and she manages to get the gun and the. The incriminating evidence. Mm. Right. And they're, they're running back to the police precinct to, to turn in this evidence and break open the case. And they're intercepted by the deputy mayor person, who yeah. is now the mayor. The little, oh, she's now become the mayor yeah. because the real mayor has been put in jail. Yeah. And she reveals that she's behind the plot all along. And in fact, uh, because she is a little lamb, she's mm. a little sheep, so she is definitely a prey. Um, but she now has political power 
And it's been her plot all along to keep people afraid. To keep people in society afraid of predators. Mm. Um, to be- and, and harness that fear for political power, basically. Yeah. Because the majority population is prey animals and she yeah. wants to keep them scared of you know, a, a minority. And this is confusing textually for me because she's surrounded by security guards who are all like rams, big big sheep. And it's confusing what it's, if it's trying to say anything like about... Oh wait, she doesn't, have any, she doesn't have any predator security guards? They're no, all they're, all, they're all... Well, they're all rams and the rams are also the drug dealers who were cooking up this stuff in the secret lab mm. and it's sort of like they're a gang or they're all in it together right. and they're, they're like like the first hits of suspicion uh, that you look at these rams and it's sort of i mean i don't think it's intentional but it kind of undermines some of the movie that that there's all these sh- shady shift and shifty looking well we're about to get to yeah. this because we're still doing uh, yeah. face value so yeah. Sheeps are bad. <laughs> yeah. They're terrifying. They have little rectangular pupils and they, they oh, look yeah. terrifying. Yeah, they movie. do. Yeah, especially when he's got the mask on when he's cooking up yeah. there. Anyway, so she revealed it was a plot all along. Um, she wanted to... Uh, she shoots predators with this go-crazy flower. Isn't that so yeah. silly? Is it, yeah. But it's also kind of like heroin, right? Like or the something. blue flower? I, no, I don't know. Because heroin it's comes something. from a blue flower. Comes from poppies. Poppies, right? Comes from opium. Which is from poppies. Okay. Uh, Are they blue? They're red. They're red. Okay. Or white. I don't. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't done as much heroin as you. (laughs) So. (laughs) You don't remember like I do. Yeah. You you went in Nam. I was doing a remembrance day joke because of poppies, but. Oh, of course. Yeah. White thing. Too too much, too many layers. Of course, yeah. And we're just doing face value. It's too many layers. Yeah. It's already too much. Okay, well, we can just bring it back. We'll finish the film. Mm. So she, she gets Nick. locked away. Oh, wait. She shoots Nick. Oh, she shoots Nick. All yeah. right. And, and Nick, Nick, goes Nick goes savage and goes yeah. to kill Judy, but yeah. they, and they pretend. And, and their friendship is going to be over. Yeah, because he's going to eat her. And then they reveal, ah, no, it was all pretend. And uh, they loaded this the gun. Like, this isn't the blue, the, the blue flower. It's yeah. a blueberry. Yeah, we loaded yeah. the gun with blanks because we knew you were going to try and turn on us yeah. at the last minute. Um, and they recorded her saying... Um, yeah, to revealing her plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the voice memo thing they've been using for the whole movie, which is sort of a symbol of their friendship or something. Yeah, right, um, that's, that's a the, recurring yeah. thing. And that's the end of the movie. She gets locked up. Mm. Um, and they all sing a song, and that's it. Yeah, uh, uh, and like Nick, a, like... Nick becomes a cop as well. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, he becomes an upstanding Everyone becomes cops. <laughs> the happy ending is they're all cops. <laughs> he becomes an upstanding member of society. Hmm. Um, and they bust a speeding And together. for some reason, uh, Shakira is just like, what is she, the mascot of the whole city? She's yeah, like she's a... She's the a, cultural a, spokesperson. She's a pop star and she also does like those... Um, embarrassing come visit X campaigns that you know Arnold Schwarzenegger was in a come to California advert oh um, yeah 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 of course those, and those also she's things. on an app where you dance with her or yeah. something yeah. yeah that's normal pop star stuff they've all got apps okay have you have you got the um ah 
Damn it, who's the guy who's Hawkeye? I, I definitely don't have whatever you're about to say. Who's, who's the Hawkeye guy? Um, the Hawkeye? Oh, yeah, from, he's got an app anyway. What's his name? He's Damn got it. an app, Jeremy Renner? Jer- Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. There's a, there's a Jeremy Renner social network. It existed for a couple of years and I think it's dead now, but... What? Yeah. There's... Did he start it? I'm going to have to look this all up and tell you about it later. Or maybe, but yeah, no, there's a Jeremy Renner app. You can get Jeremy Renner the app and learn all about Jeremy Renner and wow. talk to other Jeremy Renner fans. Isn't he like really just sullen and, and kind yeah. of a bitter dude? And, yeah. Yeah. I think he also has some music you can listen to through the Jeremy Renner app. Oh, right. Is it <laughs> is it like uh, rock? Like yeah. Dad no, rock? I think so. I think it's like rock-infused acoustic country stuff. So... Um, yeah, that was the full, that's the mm. film, that's Zootropolis. I just want to jump in real quick with a couple of corrections. That earlier I mentioned actor Dave Chong, who does not exist, it's actually Tommy Chong. Uh-oh. And I got confused by the famous Dave's Not Here Man sketch, which is why I thought he's called Dave. And I'd also like to confirm that there was an app called Jeremy Renner, or Jeremy Renner Official on the on that. Apple iStore. Do thing. other actors have? Yeah, there's a, there's whole there's whole companies that will like put together apps for you. So it's just oh, um, personal messages. Yeah, from... I found a story on the New York Times that says um, the app debuted March 2017, promising a deeper look into the life of Mr. Renner, 48. <laughs> I'm always looking for new ways to connect directly with my fans all over the world in our own shared environment, oh. Mr. Renner said. <laughs> um, yeah, that was it. And it was it was taken down because it was destroyed by trolls. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no. What do trolls have to say about Jeremy Renner? I, I can't tell. Um, any, anyway, yeah. Um, He's not even in this. So, let's start decoding um, some of the... Uh, Thinly veiled uh, mm. metaphors in Zootropolis. So, so it's actually kind of unclear. It seems to be about just prejudice in general, but there are very clear references to specific prejudices. So there's lots of jokes where the joke is like, "This is a thing that you know white people say about black people," or "This is this is a this is a thing that men say about women," or something. So there's, um, yeah, there's lots of thin jokes, like um, Judy saying, you know, bunnies can call other bunnies cute, but you're not allowed to call us it. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, which I think, I don't think we need to explain the real world equivalent of that. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, we can, the the N-word. But also, yeah, I think it's going for general prejudice yeah it's sort of like a cat the 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 predator prey thing is sort of a catch-all yeah it's it's just the the equivalent in this world and there's there's also the one that isn't acknowledged but is ever present is this size thing which doesn't correspond exactly with the predator prey thing yeah but also the predator prey thing doesn't as a catch-all like it it it's pretty confused i would say that it doesn't really work i mm. so i like the film i think it's very entertaining and funny and beautifully animated and um it definitely has its heart in the right place but um if you scrutinize the message it it, it really doesn't 
it's very confused and contradictory. Mm. And if you take it to its logical conclusion, it's kind of offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, this is part of your hot take. So I I will give the standard standard take, I believe, of this movie, as, as everyone who watches it sort of takes away from it, is... Uh, prejudice bad, racism bad, ignorance bad, and it's sort of about Judy being ignorant. So she's a sort of, you know, a rural son, of a daughter of, of farmers, and turns up in the big city and has all kinds of ideas about how things work, and is confronted with reality. And she is responsible just through ignorance, no particular malice or hatred, yeah, causing this big thing, and it is by educating herself and being aware and listening to people that she manages to repair all the damage she does. Yeah, yeah, but what I was getting at is that in the standard reading of the film, mm-hmm. the predators are the minority and they are they are um, unfairly uh, judged uh, based on racial stereotypes. I, th- um, I think it's sort of both ways... There are examples of each, and it's it's so some predators are, are you know marginalised because of, by prey, and some prey are marginalised by predators. So there's you know there's there's clear cases. Yeah, of basically, of, like pre- all the prejudices in the film are equal. Mm. It seems to be a two sides kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, and there isn't any attempt to like look at it through the lens of racism being prejudice plus power. Mm. Um, but there is, um, it, it, I think I, at least a lot of the readings I've read about online, it, uh, people are understanding the predators to be the immigrant, uh, kind of ethnic minority, um, of the world. I would say it's, I would say opposite. Because, I mean, all the police are predators, or, or larger animals, and and the mayor is a predator and a larger animal. So it's it's kind of... But they are the 10%, aren't they? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. The closer you look at it, it gets more confused. Yeah. So it's, it's clear there's two sides, but it's unclear if there's... A... But is, is there one... Are the predators sort of in power? Because that's certainly not like an accurate representation of real life at least well no but this is where it gets complicated because the the predators have a history of of savagery and violence Mm. and that's where it does get very offensive and racist if you if you start assuming that the predators are standing in for uh ethnic minorities in the real world but 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 it is accurate if they're standing in for you know white europeans (laughs) Well, yeah, but that's <laughs> but that's what my that's what my my take is. So that mm. basically, that all of the okay. Let's start with Joe. Um, what's her name? I was going to call her Jodie Foster, but <laughs> Judy. Uh, Judy is to me. Judy is coded as a woman struggling in the workplace in a sexist workplace. Mm-hmm. That comes across very strong to me, and uh, there are. I, I have a list. Yes. Sorry about the sound of the paper. <laughs> don't don't apologise. It's it's authentic. Yeah. Okay. So the list of um, uh, uh, tropes that are 
where she's coded that way are that she's uh, just a dumb bunny, mm. a dumb blonde. She throws like a bunny, like mm. Nick says, you throw like a bunny, throw like a girl. Uh, she's repeatedly called cute, um, and she even when she requests people not to call her cute. Uh, there's a joke at the end of the movie, like uh, saying you can't drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, she's repeatedly called emotionally imbalanced, and she's mm. over emotional. And there's a, another female character who is also prey, um, uh, bellwether, mm. who very much bonds with Judy, uh, using language that it is. Uh, we got to stick together. That we, thing. Yeah, it's... yeah, and in, in this sexist environment um so that i was very much seeing her as a woman in the workplace but like i I don't know the history the history of predators and prey really invoked um yeah that made me think of a colonialism Mm. and the holocaust and slavery but that where i was going was that she's she's coded as a as a woman struggling in the workplace and nick is coded as an ethnic minority in the real world who's like a maybe a black or hispanic uh guy who's expected to be a criminal because that is his the stereotype that's placed on his uh, ethnic um background and he uh and so he becomes a criminal because society expects him to be and he receives a lot of i mean it's really clear in the scene where the elephant refuses him service mm. in the diner and that's like they you've even got the like the diner seats it's just like it really brings to mind the the african-americans who were refused service in mm. the cafeteria in you know, when was that in the 60s yeah, absolutely but um, and, I, and that's I, very intentional so like but he's a predator though mm. um and so i think you are I mean, basically, the film tries to have it two ways, and yeah. it doesn't quite make sense. There's, there's certainly examples of the opposite case as well, where the, um, you know, Judy is the one that says, you know, bunnies can call other bunnies cute, but you're not. Yeah, totally. And there's there's also the bit where they're, um, I can't remember where, but they're with Bellwether, and Nick touches her head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's... and she doesn't protest as well, because yeah. that's, I mean, that's like a really significant. Um, complain a lot of like they're uh, apparently a lot of white people just feel entitled and okay with touching black people's hair and it's, yeah, it's, it's just not, a really it's not really acknowledged in a film that that's really not okay <laughs> yeah i mean well it is if you've if you've seen um uh what's it called um uh dear white people mm. i mean uh but and there's a series, Dear White People, as well. But, like, uh, there's a whole book about it uh, by a really interesting uh, Irish... Oh, where is she from? I think she's Nigerian. Nigerian-Irish. Uh, Emma Derbiri. And she wrote a book called Don't Touch My Hair. Um, mm. But just that phenomenon of white people feeling entitled to touch black people's hair. It's just, like, got to be so... Um, but, um, frustrating mm. and demeaning um, but crucially it's an example here of the opposite encoding of what they were trying to sure. get across in the rest of it So yeah know, because she want... is a prey animal yeah. so yeah. It's, are they both minorities are they both is, every, is everyone everything like like it's, it's, it's unclear what if they're trying to draw 
Well, it's clear that they're trying to draw some kind of parallel with real life and like this predator prey thing is an example of some kind of prejudice, but it's really unclear if it matches exactly or which way around it is. And I, I get the impression that they're just trying to say it's a sort of like a both sides thing. Which... Well, yeah, the, the overall impression that is very well intentioned is that um, everyone is stereotyped. Mm. All stereotypes and prejudice are equal mm. and all of it is is bad. It's not very nice. Right. And which is true and we are which is true and, agree with that. Yes, yes, but yeah, the problem is that when you're mapping that um onto the real world of finding equivalencies mm. in the real world, the real world operates uh with some some people who hold prejudices have cultural and political power. Mm. Um, which isn't acknowledged in the film yeah. in the same way. So it's like, that's why it becomes problematic and it, offensive. It's especially weird in the film because they went out of their way to establish this history thing. There is this historical power imbalance where some kinds of animals eat the other kinds. Yeah. And and there, there is a history. And nowadays it's... Uh, you know, we try and get along, but we acknowledge the history, or we ignore the history. Or, you know, or I, one, one thought that I had is that, like, you know, the opening, the opening play that the children mm. are enacting, and they're basically saying, "Hey, we used to be predator, meek prey, and savage predators, mm-hmm. um, and predators used to uh, um, attack prey." Um, and they do this very violent... It's a very violent and scary film, actually. Like, this, <laughs> you know, the, the when she's young and she's attacked by the bully who's a fox and he scratches mm. her face. That was, like, really dark and scary. And um, But, yeah, I was wondering... Okay, so if we... If we in the real world, like, get to a, 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 a post-racial, like, kind of a much more tolerant, progressive, utopian society, you know, in the future... Can you imagine what that play would be like in the real world? Like these like children reenact. Hey, we oh, used to be geez. really savage and like we used to we had the Holocaust and slavery. I think it's But I now think... we're beyond that. It's also really interesting <laughs> that you say at some point in the future if we get to it, because I mean you and I are both like metropolitan elites who clearly believe correctly, I might add, that um <laughs> that we're not beyond all this stuff and it's all clearly still happening. But, yeah, and um, we're um, a part of it as well. Yeah, um, it's a, but I I think that but the the, the film the yeah. film is positing that there's a this is a utopia where we're beyond yeah. But it's but the thing is there's a does... difference between primal instincts and mm. racial prejudice. But it, it, it does so much to to encode that that um, this is it, it's all sort of a metaphor for stuff we're going through in real life in in our human society. But it makes it doesn't say ever like this is oh this is the future by the way, it's no. it's kind of it's kind of it's it's never made totally clear but it's it's kind of assumed that this is all now and it's a metaphor for us now, where everyone believes that we're we're pretty much all past it and we've just got a few problems to work yeah we've yeah, just got to yeah, work yeah. the kinks out yeah which is a but, I mean it's it's a I don't know how I feel about that. But in that reading of the film and in most in all of the reviews and readings that I've read, like the 
prejudiced. Like it's a movie about prejudice and the the main prejudice that is um is discussed and worked through is the prejudice against predators. Mm-hmm. And so if you're gonna take it as a movie about race, then the predators are the the margin are black and brown people, people of colour in, mm. in our world. And that's how and I've read a, like you know, articles about it being, this is about how um, police profiling and police brutality and white supremacy, Mm. like assuming that the prey who are unfairly stereotyping the predators are the white majority. And that's the general Mm. reading that I've I've read from the film, which is not what I took from it when I first saw it. No. I mean, I I think it would be very inaccurate to say that, you know, the... Well, then you get into the eugenics of it all. Yeah, well, well, the, the, the you know, um, racial minorities run our police force and our politics. That's like the opposite of true. It's, uh, yeah, my, my point is that the film's... It's either confused or the point it's trying to get across is it's all both sides schism. It's... I, I think it's very... I don't think the metaphor really works. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the... Or it, it works enough to get a very, just a general, hey, prejudice is bad. Right. But right. It, it, it's it's kind of irresponsible in a way to invoke these real world things, like mm. don't, touch, don't touch my hair kind of thing. Mm. Um, but irresponsible, I don't know. Shall we take a short break to play my game that I've prepared for us? Okay. <laughs> This is this is a dumb game that has nothing to do with any encoding or anything highfalutin. The the game I've called it Trade Pup or Made Up. And by trade pup I mean a dog with a job. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some examples of animals with jobs and you tell me whether they're real and in, in the movie or I made them up. Wait. So, the, so this is based on the film. Yeah. Okay. This, is is this a real example of an animal with a job in the movie Zootopia slash Zootropolis, or did I just make it up because it's funny? Okay. Number one, is there a a horse who is a reporter? Yes. Yes, there is. Yeah, there Correct. is in the film. Yeah. Correct. There is a horse who is a why, reporter. Why? Why is that particular animal most? suitable for that job um no no particular reason in fact uh this is during the press conference there are loads of animals it's it's a massive mix and it's it's kind of a weird choice because kind of through the rest of the movie they there's a running joke where there's a certain kind of animal who will do a certain kind of job um and all the reporters at the press conference are all different and it's kind of it seems like a conscious choice and it's unclear why to me i think Right, okay. Um, just weird. Yeah, like the hamsters being just accountants, yeah. businessmen. Um, and it's, yeah, there's no real, like, reason for that, I don't think. I don't think of any, I don't think of money when I think of hamsters. Yeah. It's not like a, like a sense-making thing. Some of the others make sense, like... Although, like, it's strange that... Well, go on, you've, you've got... All right. Let's finish your Is game. there, is there a nurse shark... I don't think there is, no. There are no fish in the film. No, I made that up. It's correct. Mm-hmm. Is there a beaver construction worker? 
Absolutely. Yes, yeah. there is. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's an example. Of, See, like, and but that's a good mm, example of, mm. of, a, of an animal matching up with their job role. Yeah. All the, all the builders are beavers. Yeah. Um, is there a skunk who is a janitor? A skunk who's a janitor? I think yes. No, there's not. No janitor skunks. I oh. made that one up. And it's funny because skunks are smelly. Yeah, it would be funny if, if it right. was in the movie in the background. But, um, you know, <laughs> I should have written this movie. Um, and la- last one, uh, is there a pig who is a cop? Absolutely. Yes, there is. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's not the only one, but and it's only in the background for like a second, but it's quite funny. Pigs? Yeah. Pops. Yeah. Right? Is that all of them? The, yeah, no, that's it. That's, that's my game. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my game. Trade pup or made up. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Have we got more of these? No, that's all the ones I've, I've made notes on. No. So, so, just in terms of like coding ethnic minorities in the film, maybe not now, but at a time, Italians, Italian Americans, mm. were an ethnic minority, or a, or a sorry, a, a cultural minority, a national minority mm. in America because we have to look at this movie through the lens of American politics because it's an American film. And so all Italians evolved right. in this movie. Like a gangster uh, uh, is in the head of a, uh, of a violent criminal organization mm. is uh, the smallest possible prey. Oh. And uh, I was recently listening to the uh, Wire Dads episode of American Gangster and how Really, that film is about an African-American man becoming extremely powerful um, and all of the uh, uh, the police and the other gangsters underestimating him because he's African-American and not thinking that he could become so powerful. Right. Um, and essentially, the movie is about capitalism and how it's questioning who's got the monopoly on violence and how, you know, the, the Frank Lucas, the gangster, um, runs his organization, which is just as corrupt and it runs exactly the same way as the police force. It's just one of those, uh, one of those institutions is, is considered valid by society. So I was just thinking about like, in terms of, um, in the movie world, like if the head of this gangster family, is is the smallest possible prey, and I know it's just a visual joke, mm. but like uh, I don't know it's just interesting to think about, and they're all prey. This is this is a weird area because it's I don't I don't know what I think about this, but it is it is I think it's fair to say at the moment in the cultural zeitgeist or whatever, it's kind of fair game to do. Italian accents and make jokes about the mafia and stuff and yeah. say, hey, forget about it, our spaghettios. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Um, and it's kind of fine. And I know historically they haven't always been regarded as, like, included under the white umbrella, but, I mean, these days we consider Italians as white. For um, sure, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's kind of... Yeah, it's it's kind of okay, and you can have stuff like all the all the mobsters on the Simpsons and and yeah, it, it's it's vaguely problematic, but it, but no one seems to care too much about it. So okay, 
<laughs> so maybe it's time that I have to explain how I first came to this film. Um, it was in 2017. The film was released in 2016. But a friend of mine recommended it to me in 2017. And this friend of mine... It, like we he's essentially uh liberal left wing we agree on most things but i would say that he's slightly more centrist than i am and and when i'm generally i think it's fair to say that i've been much more uh open to uh thinking about issues of identity politics or mm. or inquiring into that and uh uh considering my privilege and so on and he's usually been a little bit more on the fence a little more i'm not so sure about that and i think at the time me too was happening mm -hmm. and i was getting into the popular culture detective and i'd actually just sent him a video that was uh deconstructing uh sexism in harrison ford movies and mm -hmm. i was like oh yeah this really makes sense to me like yeah th that those characters are really sexist you know and this friend of mine was kind of pushing against you know like not not so willing to i think we had this kind of um uh kind of history of me being a bit more receptive to this kind of thing than him pushing back so and we i think we'd had a disagreement about me too or something around that so when i saw and he recommended the film zootopia saying you know oh this is a really interesting film so i kind of i was in the mindset of oh he's he's showing me this film because it's going to offer some kind of critical point, right? you know, against... So this is, this is your hot take? Is yeah, right, mm. essentially. So, well, it's not really a hot take. It's how I experienced the film the mm. first time I saw it. Um, to me, it was so clearly... Uh, the film was very clearly about uh, women struggling in the workplace. And the main character who uh, is ultimately behind the conspiracy plot is a woman that's coded that way and the whole prey predator thing i just thought about which groups in the real world have a history of violence mm. of 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 systematic violence and those groups are from the through the lens of um of me too the group with the history of of, of violence is is men mm -hmm. And through the lens of racism, the group with a history of violence uh, towards the other is white people. And so to me, it seemed like this world, this utopia world, uh, is set up where the people with political power and cultural power are people with, are the prey, the mm. people that used to be preyed upon, that is like women and ethnic minorities. And... The, basically, the the uh, the ex predators are unfairly persecuted. Right. Yeah, and so to me, it read like this, this kind of allegory. It's almost like men's rights activists, right? Like who are really uh, embittered mm. and upset by the 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 more progressive, uh, tolerant, like. Uh, mm. Of whatever you want to call it, like a, a, yeah. the shift to the left in the culture. Those people certainly believe that there is like a, 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 a yeah. There's a conspiracy against them. Yeah. And they're different. having their 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 primal instincts 
and they're, they're that's right they're being held in shame mm. because of their violent past mm. so you have a lot of like reactionary you know you have men and you have right-wing groups and and certain group of white supremacists who feel that we now live in this uh, in a world that's far too liberal mm. and they are forced to be ashamed of their of their past yeah. or their country's past their, their there race's is, past there is certainly lots of stuff in the text to support that so i'm i'm thinking specifically of the mayor and the assistant mayor so um you know the 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 mayor is a lion who is um kind portrayed as kind of an idiot and kind of bumbling and and just and narcissistic as well yeah narcissistic yeah. and not really clued into all the all the facts and sort of talks a bit ineloquently and really the power is held and, and yeah believes himself to be powerful but the power is truly held by the assistant mayor who is small demure and and um secretly pulling all the strings yeah yeah. so yeah. that is certainly a, like a, an image that, that reflects what well all, just, all these men's rights type people believe. just re- revealing at the end that she's she's got this plot mm. um that just really kind of uh it read like oh yeah it's just a liberal conspiracy i mean did you see the new watchman television series yeah amazing i loved it it's incredible but that that posits that like what if there was a you know a liberal conspiracy (laughs) you know it's Mm. you know which i just thought was a weird message to give to children (laughs) (laughs) you know like Mm. um and also the fact that you know the the uh the fox is 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 coded as an ignorant racist southerner Mm. Oh, the fox that bullied bullied Jimmy yeah. when she was little. Yeah, this is sort of acknowledged. There is a bit so because that, that really read mm. to me as like he's a his equivalent is a racist southerner mm. who's bullying her, and he has the history of violence. And he actually says, "My people used to kill your people," mm. and it's like for me that was like, "Oh, okay, great." So the predators are like white supremacists, men. Like people who've mm. had historically had power, and the, the, um, and this this utopia Zootopia is is uh, now majority demure prey mm. who now have cultural and political power, and the movie is all about mm. these. <laughs> so it's not like prejudice in- is bad. It's the, the the message of the movie is more like like the Fountainhead or something where we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't be holding back all these, all these. Oh well, su- I haven't read that. People. I um, haven't read that, but I want to read that. I haven't read it either. But oh, okay. you know, Ayn Rand is all like, you know, some people are inherently better than others, and we should be lifting those people up, not restraining them and pretending we're all equal. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, I guess the whole the premi- the thing is, the premise of the movie kind of falls apart because there isn't an equivalent of. Mm. Uh, prey animals are justified in being afraid of predators because of predator animals because mm. they did used to kill them also, also, yeah I mean it's not an exact correlation but but there is a correlation of, of like big to small stuff and that is de- yeah. demonstrably shown to be really scary you know the whole chase scene through the tiny neighbourhood like yeah. like 
big animals by no fault of their own just existing can be threatening and scary to the small ones. And, you know, they could easily, like, step on any other squisham just just by existing. You know, the, there's a the, the, the small fox character who is... Uh, the Fennec, uh, Nick's partner. Nick's partner, yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the fact that his... His characterization and his voice was clearly, you know, a, an African American gangster, very deep. And the the whole joke is that he's a a very small animal, meek looking animal, and he's got a booming African American voice. How did you feel about that? I think that was a very cheap joke, but they couldn't really. I mean, they couldn't. It's, There's it's, no other joke to make there. Well, the, I, mean, I guess you could have had like a gruff. Because yeah, it's clearly an African-American voice, gangster right, voice. Right. I mean, yeah, uh, the, it, the joke is that he's a tiny little thing been masquerading as a child and has a big man's voice and it's yeah. a deep baritone. Yeah, yeah, but they but could have done matter. a white man's yeah. big voice. Yeah. yeah, so it's, yeah, it's lazy. It's but... kind of like the, you know, the trope in movies where you have um, stereotypically uncool or usually white mm. uh, or meek characters who walk in slow motion to, you know, hip-hop right, right. music. And, and it's just such an overworked trope, it's so boring now. Yeah. I've been I've been watching just because... The joke I, is the... Yeah. I've, I've, discrepancy. I've been watching because I've run out of everything else on Netflix. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah, I've never seen it. Is there a it's, lot of that it's, in it? It's fine. No, it has the opposite thing, where um, um, the one of, one of the running jokes is... Um, Terry Crews, who is a very large, muscly black guy, yeah. has um, daughters and and often has to do things for them. So there's a whole episode where he's trying to put together a dollhouse and failing at it. Right. So the joke is he's, you know, a massive guy trying to do something oh. sort of wussy and silly. Yeah. And yeah, there's constantly those kinds of jokes. Like there's one episode he's like, it's revealed that he's good at drawing and he spends the whole episode like trying to find his oils so he can he can put something together okay yeah it's funny because he's a big black guy yeah they don't know anything about art do they <sighs> so apparently this film's about the the crack epidemic go on <laughs> <laughs> um no it's just that like this drug is being harvested by the government and unleashed on these uh, minority uh, neighborhoods and ravaging them. Right. Okay. Like the like the scary um, drug in the in the film is the well, yeah. the one that sends you crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because apparently, like crack cocaine was mm. uh, kind of pushed into black neighborhoods by the FBI mm. or the CIA. I haven't done my research. This is what (laughs) this is. I've I've read it. Mm, I've no, I've done no research. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I think I saw in one article it said intentionally or unintentionally the Mm. CIA did this. (laughs) But um, there is there is definitely plenty of shady enough confirmed history between the U.S. government and government agencies and drugs to and to be able to African American community. They have plenty of. Justification and believing that they're they're under attack. Yeah, there's also the issue of Hillary Clinton's um, 
there was something in the 90s when she talked about she was referencing essentially african-american males as uh uh super predators i think yeah this rings bells um I've definitely seen TV clips of this, but I'm not familiar really entirely. I think this is why a lot of the dialogue around the film was kind of coming from uh, the assumption that the Predators are a stand-in for African-Americans. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a confusing movie that doesn't really... It, it's just, it's almost like, it's, it's kind of like Mother! <laughs> Exclamation mark. I mean, Mother! <laughs> Mother! In, in, in it just it just throws all of these allegories into the mix and mm. just whips them all up. It's like, yeah, it's, it's really allegorical. You got the whole like environmentalist message, and that would make a good double feature. We should, we should have <laughs> it's an Utopia event. and Mother. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to see that. But it's just none of them really cohere together. But it's just all, all these. It's a mixing pot of allegories. The best, not a double feature, but best like feature cinema experience I went to was Robin Hitchcock's screening of Magnum Force. Wow, I don't, I have, <laughs> I didn't, I've not seen that. <laughs> He's, um, if you don't know him, he, he used to be in a band called the Soft Boys back in the late 60s, early 70s. He's, he's an amazing singer, songwriter, and he's still active today, and all his... He does lots of like twee acoustic stuff lately, but it's all his roots are in like late sixties, like psychedelia, vaguely vaguely punky sort of um, weird pop stuff. Um, and he wrote a whole bunch of songs, like like an album's worth, of about the movie Magnum Force. Oh my god! <laughs> Which is. Which is the the second in the Dirty Harry series? It's the sequel to Dirty Harry. Oh, really? Yeah. Magnum Force. Um. So we watched we watched Magnum Force at a small cinema in North London, and um, every time we hit a key line or phrase in the movie, um, he would pause the film and walk in front of the crowd and sing a song. Oh my god. <laughs> just, just acoustic about just based on a line in the movie or like like something that happened or some image or something. So you know the 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 Is there sp- video evidence of this? Um, I will have to see if I can find it later. I don't think there is. He only did it once and it was absolutely beautiful. But he does have some of the songs are unreleased and some of them are actual songs that made it onto albums. Um, there is a song that prominently features the line from the movie about um, uh, man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> <laughs> so we just listened to him sing, sing that song uh, uh, across a giant projected image of Clint Eastwood's face. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It was absolutely this sounds brilliant. like something that would happen at the Prince Charles Cinema. Yeah, it was. It was very um, weird, weird art stuff. Um, do you have anything more you want to cover about the film? Um, the only thing is that I'm I'm glad you kept bringing up Jodie Foster because there is a shot right at the end of the movie where they finally nabbed the the bellwether, the sheep who is who is pull, secretly pulling all the strings 
and she tries yeah, to run. The evil liberal. Yeah, the evil, the evil liberal who is pulling all the strings, and she tries to run away, and she runs into a crowd of all of the the cops who have turned up at just the right time to arrest her. And the shot is exactly the shot from Silence of the Lambs of Jodie Foster in the elevator. Oh, wow. And, and I didn't even notice that. I picked up the Jodie Foster thing earlier. Yeah, but it's sort of, but it's obviously opposite because the evil liberal cheap character is the bad guy and they are successfully apprehending her. All the, all the, all the dark figures, dark clothed figures emerging from the shadows to apprehend her. The, yeah. the innocent white small figure in the middle. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. It, but and so it's sort of like it's the same image but encoded opposite. Like this is this is a heroic, correct um, thing, and it's immediately followed by the, the 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 credits of Shakira singing a song with a you know a tiny a tiny gazelle in the middle of a stage surrounded by by tigers who are her backup dancers yeah you know, the image of a prey animal surrounded by by predators like doing her bidding employed by her <laughs> yeah yeah the same with the godfather the, the mm. little vol godfather it's it's a movie of confusing inverse imagery and and it's it's clearly saying something and it's clear what that something is but it's it's garbled. There's all kinds of weird. It's like a it's like a mop, and you're mopping the floor, and it's clear that the mop is meant for mopping the floor, but it's also got like a ham radio installed in the handle, and it's making funny noises. That's that's a good uh, metaphor for the film. <laughs> I have some questions. Um, all of the characters in the film are they're all mammals. There yeah, are no yeah, yeah. there are no birds fish I'm or sure restaurant ostrich or something i was just wondering well i was wondering what if this is one city what does the country look like and what does the mm. world look like and are reptiles the true enemy basically oh, are reptiles muslims yeah yeah in the film oh yeah because by the way some people there are some readings of the film that predators are Muslims. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. All of the readings have work and also don't work. Um, they're all valid. None, none of them work. <laughs> they're, all, they're all valid and true, all of them. Um, okay, yeah, but reptiles. And But then I was thinking maybe reptiles are running... They're actually running the world, like in... Mm, like in real life. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because you're a paid-up member of the... Yeah, I'm on. I'm on. I'm on David Icke's mailing list. David, <laughs> have you seen They Live? I haven't seen it, but I, yeah, I, know I watched about it, it for the first time in a long time the other day because it's on mm -hmm. Netflix and it's brilliant. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there that could be mm. very easily it has it has been co-opted by anti-Semites. Uh, it's <laughs> really rich with that. <laughs> Also, um, the character, the main character, is just such a a macho asshole. <laughs> <He's> just... <laughs> that's uh, that that movie is the origin of the phrase "I'm I'm all out of gum," right? That, that yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of gum. Right. And he just shoots up a bank. 
because it's full of reptile people who are running the world. Mm. It's a good hang, movie. Hang you watch in, it. in a bank. Uh, so, um, what what is police work according to the film Zootopia? Um, well, it seems like the established order of things, as, assuming like Judy turning up and being the first rabbit and doing stuff um, and setting into events the motion of the movie, that, that seems like an aberration in this world. That is, that is like a new thing that's happened. And prior to that, the established order seems to be all the big animals like rhinos and hippos and elephants and stuff are all cops and they just hang out doing cop stuff which seems to be sort of bumbling around like idiots and apprehending criminals which is not entirely unfair (laughs) (laughs) rhinos and hippos and water buffalo aren't predators in the film no they're not they're big they're big, but they're not... Um, I don't and know the about whole, hippos, the, actually. The mammal inclusion initiative doesn't mammals. make sense. They're all mammals. <sighs> so, I guess small... They should have They should have put small mammal. It's almost as if this, the concept of this movie had a lot of, lot of problems in the production phase and, <laughs> and went through a lot of changes and rewrites. Yeah, and they, the mess that they had at the end, they just said... Well, it's parts in the right place, mm. and it basically says prejudice is bad. So another nearly final thing that we maybe need to acknowledge, or else risk uh, being completely culturally irrelevant, is that this movie is is the source of a huge amount of terrible, terrible, questionable fan art. Okay, it's like pornographic fan art. Oh yeah, I mean, as a very start. So earlier I googled um, Zootopia weird fan art and Google said, did you mean Zootopia weird fan art abortion? (laughs) (laughs) Why would it? (laughs) What what is that? (laughs) What comes up if you type that in? Oh, I'm a bit scared because I'm on my work computer and this this will... Should we do it on my computer? (laughs) (laughs) No, we can do it. Um, Did you mean... Oh, fucking hell. Did you mean Zootopia weird fan art concentration camp? Oh, my God. Is this... Is this getting mixed up with a... With a documentary called Zoo, which is about... Zoophiles? Who are the people that have sex with animals? I don't think so, because all the image results are very clearly um, fan-drawn comic books and stills and stuff. Um... I think basically lots of people saw this and saw the cute animals and Nick and Judy who are, have no, there's no encoded like sexual tension or anything between them. But but, but one's a boy and one's like a girl to... and fans like to take this thing along yeah. with it. So there's lots of like sexy drawn stuff of, of them hanging out and doing stuff. What kind of stuff? Well, um, let's, let's just grab the first one. Um... Nick, I can't believe you would even kill our baby for your career. There we go. Oh wow. I've I've got one with Nick has he's got 
He's got Judy bent over his shoulder and he's presenting her he's he's presenting her hindquarters to to me the viewer with a kind of a, a wry smile on his face. It's very strange. Wow. Oh. oh wow, there's a lot of fan art um about those those tiger those sexy tiger dancers at the end. Right. Oh yeah, there's a lot of bulging crotches. And oh I've, wow! I found I found I think the one comic strip that is the source of this this abortion claim by Google. It says um, it's Nick in speech bubbles saying, uh, "Even you, a little bunny, stopped an absurdly nasty conspiracy and helped change the minds and hearts of millions." Things like that could never have happened without you. For God's sake, Judy, please give this unborn child the opportunity to do the same. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Um, okay, I think we're done. Um, yeah, uh, that, that concludes uh, this podcast about this, this episode about Zootopia and politics and, and women's rights. And 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 uh, a fetus's rights to live. <laughs> I think we've got one more thing to do, uh, which is decide the name of the podcast. Mm. Now, do you have any ideas? No, you've not come up with any. No, I've I've been thinking, and I've solicited some, but I haven't come up with any myself, and I, I none of them are any good. Well, can you give me some? So, um, I said, like, kids' movies and politics to a couple of people, and they were like, I don't know, you could do, like, The Jungle Book and Mao's Little Red Book together somehow, like, The Little Red oh, Jungle Book. Oh, okay, yeah, The Little Red Jungle Book. Or, or like, um, I don't know. Any others? <laughs> oh, no, that's it. All right, I've only got one. Yeah. Talking tunes and ticks. <laughs> tunes and ticks. Tunes and ticks. I like that. Or talking tunes ticks. Tunes ticks. Tunes and ticks. That's good because it's got four apostrophes in it. Because because there's an apostrophe on the front of tunes and then two in n. And then one on the front of ticks as well. Tunes and ticks is good. I like that. Tunes and ticks. We should uh, we should record a jingle. Yeah, I can I can get on that. I've got lots of musical instruments, and I'm good at maybe a couple of them. Okay, we're gonna sign off now then. All right. Um, catch you on the way down. Stay classy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as always. I love you, man. Yeah, I love you, man. I've been, I appreciate you. I'm yeah. glad that we do this. Your, your existence is authentic and real to me. <laughs> <laughs>